Welcome to the Getting Divorced Without Losing Your Mind podcast. I'm Corey Shapiro. In this podcast, we discuss divorce news. We answer listener questions. I sometimes provide my observations about relationships. I've been a family lawyer for a while. I have a lot to say. This is our end of the year episode for listeners for our first year. So congratulations. Here's my clap. I want to do a segment, a new segment called Colloquy which has been our revision from court time. And a colloquy is just a conversation we would have with the judge off the record, even though that's a fancy term, just an informal conversation. And let's just go a little bit behind the scenes about where we are. So our audience is 344 downloads. And that's not being on any, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So I appreciate all of you early adopters listen to us in our first year, and I hope you stay with us as we grow and give us input of the changes we are going to make in the future. We also post some highlights on Instagram. I'm not an Instagram generation. I was a Facebook generation, but I never got onto Facebook. But I want to meet people where they are, and many people are into IG, so we leave some segments some highlights from our segments. And I've seen people have a check-in once or, you know, once a week or every other week. And I see people are listening to our episodes. So great. We also have a YouTube channel, but I get a bad score. If you are into the color coding, you know, green's good, red's bad. We get a red. We haven't posted really anything. And I think a lot of it is we haven't done the videos. Yes, I do have the correct, you know, gear because I'm into that type of stuff. But I guess I enjoy the podcast medium and not the video medium at this point, but we're going to try to do a little more in 2022. As you can see, that's, that's not a specific goal. All right, so that's the end of our behind the scenes. That's the end of our colloquy. Let's go into the five big themes that kept my attention for 2021. The first one is... Take the long view. And if you've been listening to our podcast, that's basically what I say. Take the long view. And you can still come back after something rattles you. And there's a great example of this in tennis. In the 2021 French Open, Stefano Sissipas, who is a young gun, was two sets up over the old guard, one of the big three, the only one remaining, who's making headways, Djokovic, in the finals. Big time. Up two sets to zero over Djokovic. Everything he was working for, preparing, he thought he had that win in the bag. But I don't know how he did it, but Djokovic won. And in the press conference, Sissipas was asked what he learned from that match, from that devastating loss. I don't think Sissipas actually won a match for another six months. That's usually what happens with him. He takes these, these losses hard. He goes back to the cave and he comes out a new man like six months later. He says two sets doesn't really mean anything in these, you know, best of three out of five set matches. And that's the same thing in your divorce, in your difficult divorce, which could be considered a match. It's easy to lose confidence. Everything's not going to go your way. There's going to be swings in momentum, but stay centered if you can with the strategy that I'm teaching. Uh, we also have a book, Getting Divorced Without Losing Your Mind, which is on our website. It's going to be on Amazon next year. And think about this. Really, it comes down to a mindset shift. I could teach you the behaviors, but unless you have the mindset shift, the behaviors are going to be empty. 
All right, our second point is virtual courts are great, but sometimes you need to be there. I have to say when virtual courts started, this is the change from going down the court, you know, taking the subway, going through metal detectors, dealing with all the time and energy and just wasting time because you would go there and there'd be a lot of cases on. You have five minutes before the judge, but you spend three hours. It's a lot of time. Now, I know that's, you should say, if I'm a lawyer, I'm getting paid for that, but clients aren't happy. They have to come down too. In matrimonial cases, the clients have to come to court. Everyone's unhappy, too expensive, not a good deal. I think it does work though, where the court can apply leverage and pressure when needed. But if you don't have that and people are behaving somewhat and you just need a judge to tell you their initial thoughts on things, that's what virtual court is great at. If the, if the attorneys are somewhat working together, if people are following discovery, doing what they're supposed to do, and you have an issue or two that you need input from the court, they can do that on Microsoft Teams. You don't have to go down there to hear what they're going to say. But if you need a little bit more pressure, I don't think virtual courts does that job. I do think in the future, we're going to have a hybrid approach. So it's going to be like if you're good, a good student, a good, a good litigant in quotes, you get virtual court. If you're difficult, you're coming to court. So stay in detention. That's how it's going to be. All right, number three. Don't give the court reasons to be biased against you. This is so big. This is so big. I used to think, and this is in theory, that the court objectively views the facts, objectively views the law, so you have a fair shot, right? Well, that's what we learn. We, when we take the bar, we're just learning law in the vacuum. So why don't they just apply the law? Well, we're dealing with people, and these people have biases, these judges, and if they don't like you, they don't, they, they, they distrust you, they're not going to objectively view the facts. They're not going to objectively view the law. They're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're going to go against you. They're not going to apply what you think they're going to apply. This is a court of equity. A lot of these decisions, like, you know, best interest of the child comes down to equity, equitable distribution, what we have in New York, you know, how to divide assets, equity. So the court has a lot of discretion. I basically say it's really what the judge wants it to be. And that can change. I say this to people and some of the real sophisticated attorneys say, well, that changes also from the morning to the afternoon, depends if they have lunch or not, depends on what they did the, the, the day before. So yes, 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 yes. But the point is try to give yourself a fair shot and don't do anything that can bias the court against you. I think one person in particular gets a shout out in this field for helping people through difficult divorces. He calls it high conflict divorce. Bill Eddy, he was a mediator for decades out in California, and he transitioned to being more of a teacher, a writer. He has many books out there. He also created websites. And one of his big, I guess, uh, reveals is his BIFF method, B-I-F-F, -F, stands for Brief, Informative, Friendly, and Firm. And this is the method you should use when you are getting triggered by any email or text. What you're not supposed to do is send back a missive within a second or a minute, let it settle over you, give yourself some time, and then master the Biff method. What is so great about Bill Eddy is he really simplifies, makes it clear, puts a system in place to get you started. And I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone. I think it's a good place to start. It's a great place to start. So thank you, Bill Eddy, for being so generous. All right, fourth, we should rethink our assumptions about mom as primary parent. 
If you're in a difficult divorce, you might be saying, what are you talking about, Corey? It's best interest of the child. There's no more presumption that the mom is the primary parent. Yes, yes, <laughs> in theory. But in practice, it seems even with two working spouses, the majority of people who take more care of the children, even if just a few percentage points more, is the mom, right? And overall, the gender that generally makes more money, generally, I said, not always, is the male. So what happens when you go to a divorce? You don't want to have a custody battle. What the court's going to do is say, why don't we just maintain the status quo? The status quo is mom gets more time. Could be just a little bit more time, but it's more time. She's the primary parent. And that's how it was. A couple of takeaways from that is the pandemic, I think, really revealed how this is a tax on these women post-divorce. Now the children are at home, homeschooled. Now the mom's at home. So she has to juggle while the guy, maybe even because of COVID, is getting less time and he can devote more of his energies to work. So I just think we have to rethink these assumptions. I think what the research shows is that both parents contribute meaningfully to the child in different ways. And there is gender differences, general gender differences in how we interact with children. But they're saying both of our qualities are meaningful. Okay, It sort of reminds me of partners in a restaurant where one person is really good in the kitchen and one person's really good in the, at the front with the people. And they, they bring their best skills to that enterprise. And really, once you get divorced, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know what Quincy Jones says, you're going to see them every year. So there you go. So I think both parents should be meaningfully involved. It uh, doesn't necessarily have to be primarily mom. Fifth and finally, when trading assets, don't forget the tax consequences. That's the key. I became a certified divorce financial analyst in 2021, which was a lot of work. And I had to take this long test, which I took virtually, which was a pain, but I'm glad I did it because it reinforced in me, just like it reinforced in Sisypass, a self-evident truth that just because you have, when you equalize numbers, you're trading numbers, and just because they measure up the same number, like a thousand on this corner, a thousand on this side for wife, thousand for husband, or thousand for spouse one, thousand for spouse two. That doesn't mean it's equal. That's the first step. But the second step is you have to determine the tax implications. And is there any embedded tax consequences? So what I suggest is just think about these issues. You could go to a accountant to talk about this. You can go to your divorce lawyer if they are aware of these issues. And you can even go to whole group of people who usually come from the financial world. The certified divorce financial analysts are usually more finance-based people. There are lawyers like me who, who've done it and at a much lower hourly rate with a much deeper skill set in that area can help you through this tax tangle. All right. So this is a good place to wrap up the episode. I want to thank again all my early listeners. Really appreciate you sticking with us. And I think you're going to see some changes as we get onto Apple Podcast and grow this podcast and as my skills grow. So please go to podcast.gettingdivorced.org. You can ask questions, you can submit feedback. And until next week, don't lose your mind. Mm -hmm.